Welcome back to the Speaking and Communicating Podcast. I am your host, Roberta. If you are looking to improve your communication skills, both professionally and personally, this is the podcast you should be tuning into. And by the end of the episode, please remember to subscribe, give a rating and a review. Now, so many of us are into music and we've always wondered what happens behind the scenes besides the artists that we see on TV and those that we listen to on radio. So my guest today, her name is Maria Lozano. She's a music business consultant for almost 30 years, mainly geared towards Latin music. She was with Sony for a number of years and she has some very interesting details and stories to share with us today. She currently represents the company Exploration and a lot of independent artists. And before I go any further, please help me welcome Maria to the show. Hi, Maria. Hi, Roberta. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you for taking your time to be here today. We've always wanted the scoop in the music business. (laughs) Because we know there's a lot that goes out behind the scenes. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself. As you said, I am a music business consultant, uh, but prior to that, I did work at a major record label, actually in the music publishing department, that's working with songwriters and music publishers for 11 years. Since then, I've been working with independent artists and songwriters, and now with Exploration, where we manage huge catalog of songs. I am immigrant from Dominican Republic, grew up in New York, and I'm based out of Miami. You're in South Beach. Well, (laughs) I'm actually really close to the airport. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. So here's the one thing about the music industry. When you are for such a big label, obviously, they're not going to accept everyone. They're not going to accept everybody who sends the demo. Absolutely. Do you know how they get to pick and choose and say, oh, this demo sounds better than that other one. We're going to go with this artist and not with this artist. You know, when I was at the label, I was in music publishing, which is separate from A&R. That's an A&R position, which is artist repertoire. There's someone actually dedicated to looking for artists and repertoire. I wasn't doing that capacity. But what I know of is that the A&R person is looking and hearing a whole bunch of material, a whole bunch of stuff and determining what can stick and what doesn't and what Mm -hmm. he could bring over to his boss to actually get them to invest and so on and make an artist. That was back then. Today, people are relying a lot on Spotify, on your Instagram numbers. So your numbers Mm -hmm. have to be high as a new artist, an independent artist, for them to get interested. They're not going to get interested on someone who has 50,000 monthly listeners, they want somebody who has surpassed those numbers, you know, 300,000, a million listeners. And you do find them. You find a lot of them in Spotify, which is the platform that I use. But you could go into a title or Apple Music, any of the other platforms to see what their numbers are. That's what they're doing now. What is your Instagram numbers? How many followers do you have? How's your YouTube channel? So they're going to your social media, looking for talent and seeing how well you already connect with the audience. If you think about it, I think the first artist that made it like that was Justin Bieber. That's he was discovered on the Internet. He was discovered from YouTube. He had a following on YouTube. And then from there, he became this huge star. And then he got a manager and made it bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's what's happening nowadays. And I would say that's in the last 10 years 
that mm-hmm. it has shifted from where A&R people are just there listening to demos and whatever. No, if they will listen to a demo, they're going to go look at your social media because you should have a social media following. They have to see your resume online, so to speak. Right. So that means anybody can be discovered and the record company will come to you. You don't always have, like before, be in the begging position to bribe the secretary to slip your demo under the boss's door. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But what's happened now too is that the access to you becoming an artist has been democratized. So now if I want to put out an album, I can put it out. I mean, I would have to spend some money, maybe... I want to put out a single. Maybe I spent five, $6,000 putting out a single. But if I have a huge social media following, I don't need the record label because mm-hmm. they will recommend. So you have to think of this like a chain. So your mother recommends to your aunt. She recommends to the abuela and then your friends to another friend and so on. And that's how you make the change and you make this grow. You'd be making your money directly. So if you earn a dollar, that dollar is coming directly to you and you don't have to split it with the record label. So that's the advantage of being an independent artist nowadays. It's it's so democratized. Speaking of money, which is where this whole conversation is going. How many times have we read stories like TLC, Salt and Pepper, Tony Braxton? You sold $250 million worth of records and this bankruptcy or TLC was paid $99 How do these numbers vary so much with the previous record labels before the independent age we are now? Were they really screwing people that much? I don't think so. And I'm not a defender of the record labels or of anybody for that matter. But I would think that a lot of artists live larger than they can. And they don't realize the financial aspect of earning money. So if you earn money on a huge hit now, let's say MC Hammer, for example, who can touch this is, is an anthem. To this day. Yeah. To this day. But he never taught that. So you can't spend all that money that he was spending or at the rate that he was spending it mm-hmm. and then say the record label screwed me. No, you were living larger than life. And going back to the point of the record label screwing you, you have to look at the agreement. Maybe not you, but have a good, competent attorney actually checking in everything and making sure that attorney has your best interest because it doesn't happen sometimes. Even though you hired the attorney, they may not look out for you. Yes. I had one guy call me one time and he said, oh, I'm going to have my attorney call you. And I said, fine. Okay. I'd rather speak to your attorney because I know he's going to understand. So I said, okay, can I talk to him now? And he said, no, because he's in a jail. He's going to see a client in jail. Oh, okay. So this client, what type of attorney is he? He's like, oh, he's a criminal lawyer. I'm like, look, a criminal lawyer is not going to be... Isn't there something called an entertainment lawyer? Not that I'm a legal expert. Exactly. Exactly. So that's another mistake that a lot of artists do. They go to their cousin who's a lawyer. He may be a personal injury lawyer, but he doesn't understand music. You need to hire an entertainment lawyer who is competent and will look for your best interests. And a lot of times, like in the case of TLC, they were young, young girls. They were very young. The the agreement had to have been signed by the parents because a minor cannot be the signatory on an agreement. And the parents were responsible for getting a competent attorney and making sure also that their finances would have been taken care of in a responsible way. I saw um, behind the music, BH1, where they were saying, well, you know, I made this and then they paid me this and they paid me this. Well, 
I'm not saying that that's not true, mm -hmm. but the artist needs to know what they're spending. So there is an account that the record label will keep track of. So if you spend a night of Cristal and sushi and limousines, it's going to come back to you. They're going to deduct that money from your account. Even in my old life, I actually saw where the label was paying for an artist's tickets. You know, he lived in New York City, so his car, he didn't move it from one side to the other. So he would get a whole bunch of parking tickets who was paying for those tickets. And then when this person came to say, oh, but the label doesn't pay me anything. <laughs> Traffic department will beg to differ. <laughs> exactly. And this is another one that was like, wow. The label was paying for a child that this guy had outside of wedlock. Did he ask the label to do that? Yes. yes. And then he would say, well, I guess he would tell his wife because he didn't want his wife to know about the kid. Stories, stories, stories. I understand that. And yes, you can't expect the label to pay your expenses and your child support and your sushi fees and everything. But here's my question. So when you signed the contract, I know that you are not in the construction section, but just in general, if you are signing the contract, does it tell you for every dollar you sell of your CD, you will get 40 cents and the record label keeps 60 cents for every dollar. Is there it's, something like that in there? It's not that cut and dry. It says we will pay you, let's say, 25% of the PPD. The PPD is the price to the dealer and the dealer is the retail store. Yeah. So if we're selling an album, think of it back then where you sold actual physical copies. Yes. So you're selling an album to Best Buy. You sell 10,000 units to them. Right. You're not going to sell it to the $15.99, which is the price that they sell it at. The, the record label will sell it at $7.50 or whatever. Oh, so Best Buy worth. adds its profits, obviously. That's how we come to buy for $15.99. Exactly. So the label is actually selling it to Best Buy, Walmart, and all the distributors for $7.50. So you're mm -hmm. getting... Not from the $15.99, you're getting on the price to the dealer, which is the $7.50. The $7.50 they sell to Best mm -hmm. Buy for. Right. Do they tell you, though, that out of the $7.50, you get $2? No, they don't. It's not specific like that. Whatever the price is that they sell to that dealer. So they may have a different price for Best Buy as they will have a warlord. But that's in the older days. But a lot of labels, which is what I don't like, they still continue to use that language. The reason I keep asking that question, I'm trying to get at, as an artist, do you at least have an idea up front that if you sell this many, you potentially are going to gross this much? I don't think they do. And it's really hard to tell because mm. I don't know what price you're going to sell. It's like your shirt. You know, I like your shirt. How much would you sell it for? I don't know. I'm going to get 10% of whatever you sell that shirt for. But I don't know what you're going to sell it for. That's the incognito kind of portion that you just don't know. So even they don't know how much they're going to make. If it goes platinum, do they know at least an estimated figure of how much the record label is going to pay them from that? Or the record label just does its own math and it doesn't include you. You must just get whatever paycheck you're getting and be happy with it and go home. There is audit clauses in all agreements. So mm -hmm. I suggest that artists check out what the audit clause is and basically pays attention to that because once the audit period is over, you can go back and audit that period. Mm -hmm. So you are given, I think, about three years to audit any statement. And if you realize and you say, wait a minute, my album went platinum and all I've received is this, something's wrong. 
Yeah. But artists need to be checking that or a business manager, which is something now that a lot of artists do have is a business manager who should be checking those numbers and making sure that if you're a platinum selling artist, that you are getting platinum uh, kind of money. money. But to answer your question, it's kind of vague. You have to go back line by line and check to see exactly how much they sold it for, because they will tell you, they will tell you mm-hmm. what the price was. The price was $7.50, $6.95, whatever the price may be. And then from that, you get that whatever, 25, 18, 15%, whatever your rate is with the label. At the end of the day, probably not a bad deal because they have a lot of marketing costs, which don't necessarily need to be recoupable from your account. So all of those things are variables in the agreement. Do they give you the money upfront or after you've sold the million dollar copies? A lot of people get a lot of advances. That's the allure. That's what we are experiencing now. Like, for example, at Exploration, we don't give advances, but we pay monthly. So it's like if you need money for your rent, you're going to have money because you need money for food. You're going to have money because we pay every month from the 23rd to the 25th. You can bet on it. You're going to get your check. So you're going to get payment so you can cover your costs. But when you get an advance up front, in my experience, what I've seen a lot of artists do is they will buy a shiny new car. Of course, I need to be seen on cribs with my Lamborghini. I so platinum. Right, you've seen cribs. That's the allure for artists to get a big advance. They want that advance. Mm. I usually tell them it's a high interest loan because it is a loan. You have to pay it back. And usually you have to pay it back from your royalty. So if your royalty says you're getting 25%, of whatever we make, then it's being recouped from that 25. Let's say they sell an album for 750. Mm. It's not coming out of the 750, that $200,000 advance that they gave you. It's coming out from your 25% of that. Then it affects the royalties. It comes from your share. Mm -hmm. Whatever belongs to you, that's where it's going to get recouped from. At the end of the day, it's a high interest loan. But a lot of artists, and they have expressed this to me, they tell me, well, I want an advance because I want to invest in putting together a band so that I can take my show on the road. Mm. Okay, That makes sense. You're putting it back into your business. To the business. And you have to think and say, okay, this is a business. It's not a free license for me to get a brand new house or a larger house. Lamborghinis. I don't know if it's true, but I don't know if this is attributed to Jay-Z, but I've heard that uh, that he said that if you can't buy something twice, you cannot afford it. And I love that. That's good. Love that because... I mean, don't I... they do the same thing? Like if you're going to rent an apartment, they say your take home should be three times or however much Absolutely. more than the rent. Otherwise, you can't afford that rent because you don't want to live by the edge of your finances and literally be hanging by a thread every month. But a lot of people don't hate to that advice. They don't. And that's where you run into problems. You get the large advance from the record label, but instead of putting it back into your business, you put it onto shiny new stuff. So when you guys pay monthly, is this similar to, you know how when you win the lottery, they give you two options. Do you want the lump sum up front or for the next 20 years, we pay you a monthly? Right. Right. That's a good comparison. Yes. We pay on what we collect. So Mm -hmm. if we collect $10, Our deals are pretty simple. It's 15% of whatever we get from YouTube Mm -hmm. and 10% from everywhere else. So you know that if you get $100, you're going to receive $85 if you got it from YouTube. If you receive $100 from any other source, you're going to get $90. Almost like the Uber model. You know exactly that if I collect this much, Uber is going to take its 25% and I'm good to go. 
Exactly. It sounds to me like that's what the big record labels should have done from the very beginning because that model seems to work for everybody because you know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. You know what you're getting. Yeah. But I don't know who started doing those agreements and they sort of stayed and plastered and that's what everybody uses. You know, they want to cover themselves for a lot of things. They Mm. need to cover themselves for lots of things, including copyright protection. So you want also, because they're paying for the production, they're paying for all of the studio, all that stuff. They want to pay. They want to make sure that they own those tracks. So there's a lot of language about copyright protection on those agreements. Do most artists even understand royalties? I would say no. In a general sense, no, there's only a few that I would say that are very well versed in what the business is. But most artists that understand the business become businessmen and and forget about being an artist. So take, for example, Jay-Z or they're like, okay, I understand this. Let me make money this way. They produce other people and they're not really out there doing shows. They understand the model. Earlier, you said they come to the record label, the order sushi and expensive champagne. Here's what I remember from the Tony Braxton interview with Oprah when she declared bankruptcy the first time. She said, one, she didn't check her finances, which I thought was odd, even for me, and I'm not a multi-millionaire coding artist. She just let the accountant handle everything. She didn't check her finances. And also, the record company, like you said, they would say, we paid for the concert, all the stage, the equipment, traveling you to whatever the places where the concert was held. But then my question is, wouldn't she have made more money from that and then had a positive net effect? So revenue from concert tickets minus whatever needed. And then wouldn't there be a net effect? At face value, yes, there should have been. But in reality, maybe not. I don't know if you know the concept 360. So in the music industry, a label can give you a 360 deal. And what that means is that they take a cut out of everything you earn, including live shows. I don't know the ins and out of her deal with whatever label she had at the time, but if they were paying for her stage and everything to do with the show, they probably had a cut in that. In everything. Yeah, they would be taking a cut. But still, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, like in everything, there's a lot of contents that are not kosher. Let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, we hear those stories all the time. Your Rihanna, your Steve Harvey, they run away with millions. Oh, those stories. Oh, yeah, are- Steve Harvey. Yeah. Yes. The football players. That's why some of them retire broke because yes. the accountants are some unscrupulous ones. Yeah. One guy, too, that I know of, he's a small-time songwriter. But one thing that's worth mentioning, the songwriter or the artist, they just don't realize it. When you get an advance from a record label, you're getting, let's say, $100,000. From mm-hmm. that $100,000, the first money that needs to come out is taxes. And they I have, forget that? They forget it. So I have this one guy that I've been telling him for years, listen, dude, you need to go to your local field office of IRS and just tell them, I want to do a deal with you guys. Stop charging me interest because I'm going to start paying you and start mm-hmm. paying that tax bill that you have that is growing by the minute. So what's happening to him is that all the labels everywhere that he had any money coming from is being garnished by the IRS. Oh my word. I feel so bad for him. And I'm like, I want to do this for you. I want to go with you. Let me know when you want to go. So he hasn't taken the time to go and negotiate. He hasn't done that. You know, that's the first thing. And a lot of accountants, they know that they have to do that. Mm. But sometimes, I don't know, 
they probably sleep on it or whatever. And that in the long run also affects the artist. Because if you realize, oh, I have this account and I have been doing this and I've been living my life and not caring about the numbers because I get my money and live my good life. Mm. And then realize you have a tax bill. You have the information and you know that the first money that you have to pay is to the IRS. That's it. So they forget that and then it gets interest and penalties and it just keeps growing. Yes. So that could also be an issue with a lot of artists too. They have to declare bankruptcy because they now realize they have this tax bill that (laughs) how am I going to get it? How am I going to get it out? Speaking of the monthly stipend. Okay. That's what you do now. But before that, when they gave you that million dollar check, did you know upfront how long it's going to last you? Or did you think you were going to get it repeatedly? How does that work? I don't think there's any way of knowing, especially nowadays. In the old days, you kind of knew because major albums usually sold 10 million units. And you're like, that's okay. But you wanted to sell 30 million units. Those are the numbers. That's where something's happening. And of course, they don't pay you that all at once. It gets paid over a period of time. Okay. You have to account for returns. In the music industry is the only industry where you could actually return the goods. Like if you go and buy something at your supermarket, you go buy a piece of meat and you don't like it, you can't return it. But the record stores could actually return. Mm-hmm. To the record label if they're not selling? If they're not selling, they would return it, yes. So that's something that, okay, you sold 30 million units, but you had 10 or 15 that were returned. 10 or 15 million. Now the record label needs to either house these. So there's expenses there too of warehousing. I did not know that. Yes. So that's in the old days. It doesn't happen that way anymore because you have streaming. So there's no charges, but still those are remnants of the industry that still I've seen in agreements even today. Even though they don't exist. Even though they don't exist, but a lot of people want to get CDs. So a lot of smaller artists that still shows they want to buy physical copies and they do they buy it from the label so the label has to print them anyway so there is that component and it has to happen it has to be there because even if it's not the major source of income it is some source of income if the artist wants units printed they will do it and even vinyl in any question that i've asked you at the end of the day, you still need an entertainment lawyer because I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my goodness, even that would trip me up. You need an entertainment lawyer. Absolutely. And so. make sure it's an entertainment lawyer, not an injury, <laughs> not an ambulance chaser. No, you need an entertainment lawyer. If I need something because I got hurt, then I'm going to go to that type of lawyer, not an entertainment lawyer. So you need somebody who specializes on that. I would also recommend a business manager. If you're at a point where you're getting you know, X amount of money and you're not sure what to do, a business manager should be able to help you to diversify your investments mm. to make sure you have money and investments invested in not only in expenses. Right. Keep tabs of your expenses and tell you, hey, you overstepped your expenses this month. You know, you can't go over that because everything is not rolling in like not just raining money. How do you keep tabs on your accountant? There's also managers. You have a manager. Okay. Most artists have a manager, business manager. The business manager will hire an accountant or it could be a third party. You could hire auditors, actually audit one or the other. I'm not sure exactly how, but there's all types of professionals. And when you 
reach a certain level, you have to know about those professionals and how best they can help you. In my case, for example, I'm a music publisher because that's mostly what I did, which is working with songwriters and everything starts with a song. You know that, right? Yes. So the songwriter, that's the ones that I work mostly with. And the songwriter, because he's not producing any physical units or anything that you could actually see, it's intellectual property at the end of the day, that's what that is. So because they're not seeing that, and people are not seeing that. They're like, so how does a songwriter make money? They do make money. Not as much as the artist, but they do make money. And you have somebody like me who is trusted in the industry because I have so many years and people still tell me, they call me. I had an attorney mm-hmm. call me yesterday. He's like, I have a question about my dad, but you're the only one I trust. So I built that type of relationship of trust with the community and they trust me and they know that I'm not going to steal for them because my name is more important than anything else. Right. And my reputation. So surround yourself with people who you trust and that are trustworthy, who know what they're doing. I know you love your mom, you love your dad, but your mom shouldn't be your manager. Mm. Because she doesn't have the expertise. She's just your yes. mom who loves you. Okay. And you could have your mom overlook your manager. Yes. You can do that. But she shouldn't be your manager. They have that momager kind of thing. <laughs> Christianer, to her credit, she's fabulous. not everybody can can in the billions she's created with her family. Exactly. So she's been able to create a dynasty, but most parents can't. Mm. So you have to know who is apt for the job at the end of the day. I mean, I knew songwriters do make money, but Diane Warren, how many songs do we love written oh by Diane God. Warren? So I know so, she makes a couple of dollars from that. She does. And the way that it works and just mm a brief thing there's a thing called the mechanical a mechanical income yes mechanical in the old days when songs were put into a cd that is a mechanical instrument so it's still stuck it's still called a mechanical and the u.s copyright board set a rate of 0.0910 so it's like nine cents for each unit sold for each song so if you have a song with 10 tracks know that your cost in mechanical is going to be 91 cents. Okay. So that's how the record label also does their math. They're like, okay, I also have the mechanical cost because sometimes Diane Warren is not an artist. She's the songwriter. So that's what they're going to pay Diane Warren. Whitney Houston, Celine Dion. Yeah, she she gets 91 cents for every unit that is sold. For songwriters, you're almost able to estimate about how much they're going to earn. That was in the old days. Nowadays with streaming, it's hard because streaming has so many ins and outs. So Mm -hmm. you don't really know how much you're going to get paid for a stream. You've heard the stories. I don't know if you've heard of Aloe Black. And he says, I had, I don't know how many millions of streams and I got 72 cents. Because the streaming business model is, I cannot even begin to explain it to you. They make very little money from each stream. So this is why when I told you that A&R person nowadays is looking for your numbers on Spotify to be high, that's the reason. The so more- it doesn't sound to me like streaming is screwing artists worse than what we thought record labels were doing. It's not that they're screwing artists. It's that the agreements that they've made with the record labels have not been very beneficial for the artists or the labels themselves. They're not oh. beneficial. They are changing it. And there is a copyright royalty board that is sort of in the middle now. That's a section of the U.S. Library of Congress. So mm. a part of that is devoted to setting copyright royalties for those, the Pandoras, the, the Spotify's, the titles of the world. There is a board trying to make up rates that are fair for the songwriters. Yes. So there is a body that is regulating it. But 
think about it when this all started it just went from cds to psh, streaming yeah which gave us the impression that now independent artists are not going to be screwed over they're going to be in control of their work their earnings it's going back to the old days again it's sort of sort of because they will be paid based on what the majors agree with them so even if you're an independent artist and the majors or the copyright royalty board set set amount this is the amount that's going to get paid that's what's going to get paid but it's usually because you have lawyers and advocates for the majors mm -hmm. all the majors agreed on a rate then that's what everybody else will get they kind of set the bar for everyone else but i have faith in the copyright royalty board so that they're going to keep things under control with they're going to keep it under control and yeah. be more fair to the artists but there's so many services and they're popping up at every moment we have peloton now peloton is using music of course they have to use music for their the bike they have to issue a license also that will pay the artists and songwriters for that so that is all in the copyright royalty board consideration i guess it makes sense. We all want to get paid for our hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Maria, this has been so wonderful and entertaining for me. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. <laughs> Such a pleasure. Thank oh. you so much for taking your time and being here with us. Thank you for having me. This has been so much fun, actually. I have to do a plug to my Toastmasters group because I don't know if you know Toastmaster. I'm a Toastmaster, yes. I joined when I was in South Korea in 2015 in oh. August. So yeah, I've been a Toastmaster for seven years now. Wow, I'm a Toastmaster since 2021. Last year. Mm -hmm. Last year. And I'm the VP of education. So I have a meeting now that I have to get to. But uh, I know that you talk about public speaking and all that. And this is part of what I wanted to do. I wanted to do this podcast because I want to see how comfortable I actually feel in it. So thank of you. Of course. And when it's released, I'm going to send you all the links. And you, if you want to share it, you can share it with your Toastmasters. Everything. Um, I will send it to you, you when I release it. I'm going to stay in touch. Thank you so much for being thank here today. You. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.